Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael, and we are here this morning to do a trial of the game Beam Saber, which is a Forged in the Dark game. And we have the creator of the game, Austin Ramsey. He will be with us to lead us through the game. Players include myself, Richard Kreutz Landry. Richard, say hello to everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Richard Kreutz Landry. <laughs> and Richard is one of the uh, co-designers of the soon-to-be release Descent into Midnight RPG, mm -hmm. which is a fantastic RPG that will be featured here on the RPG Academy at some point in time as well. <laughs> and our third player today is Chris Burlew from the Redemption Podcast, an amazing Star Wars actual play podcast. Chris, say hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Thank you, sir. And again, our GM for this game is the designer of the game, Austin. Austin, say hello to everyone. Hi, everybody. All right, so Austin, I'll turn over to you for a few moments here. Give us sort of the elevator pitch for anyone who's not familiar with your game or maybe even Forged in the Dark games in, in a high level. What is it we're going to be doing today? Okay, so Beam Saber is a Forged in the Dark game about pilots in powerful machines trapped in a war that encompasses all aspects of life. There is no winning the war, the organizations that perpetuate it are too incomprehensibly huge to take down. There's only surviving it. Hopefully you can get out and bring some others with you. So basically how it works is that we will be doing missions and then between missions uh, you'll do downtime where you interact with each other and uh, pursue your own goals. And through all of that there's the line of the connection between the pilot and their machine, which this being a game inspired by mecha media such as Gundam is often a giant humanoid robot, uh, but it doesn't have to be that. Uh, a lot of people have pointed out that if you were so inclined, you could do a Fast and the Furious game with the system. You just would have to strip out the sci-fi elements or uh, something even a little more down to earth. You could do a uh, Battle for Britain game and play the, an RAF squadron if you were so inclined. And so mechanically, uh, we're going to be rolling a few D6s, generally between uh, 1 and 3, though more and less are both possible. And you're going to be looking to get a 6, which will get you full success. Um, if you can't manage one of those, then a 4 or 5 will get you success with a consequence, but you really want to avoid a 1 to 3 as your highest die, which is just failure and consequences. You'll have resources to spend for both your vehicle and your pilot. You'll have the opportunity to be act both inside of your vehicle and outside of it as the situation demands, because there will be times where your vehicle will provide you the scale and power necessary for you to achieve your goals, but there will be other times where it's going to be too cumbersome or too indelicate for what you need to do, or just too intimidating if you're trying to talk to people. So with that, I think we could probably move to continuing our pilot creation unless anyone has any questions. So far, so good. Lead us through the finalization of our characters. Okay, so y'all have already picked your playbooks, uh, which we will go over the details for um, your characters uh, once this is all wrapped up. I believe you've already picked your history, tragedy, and opening, uh, which again, we will go over. Has everyone chosen a drive at this time? So I have chosen none of those. <laughs> oh, okay then. So I, yeah, I miss them. So I don't have history, tragedy, or opening. Okay. Well, in that case, we'll go through those if uh, anyone else hasn't as well. So your history is who you were before the war stole from you. So there's some example uh, histories in the book. Okay. If you need any inspiration, you can find those on page 40. And then once you pick your history, put one point into a pilot or vehicle action that expresses it. Uh, you can't go higher than two points. Okay. And so when you need to take an action, you'll roll a number of dice equal to the amount of points you have in the relevant action. So are the... Oh, I see. Okay, so looks like those have already been picked out. Yeah. Yeah, if you... um, If you're just using the character uh, characters that I created beforehand, then I believe most of the action points have already been spent for the pilot creation. 
And then we just haven't done the, uh, the vehicle creation points. Okay. And what about tragedy? Your tragedy is how has your pilot experienced the costs of war? This is what broke you out of your sort of expected life course that was your history. Uh, again, there's examples in the book. You can find those on page 41. Okay. And then opening. That is what you were doing before you joined the squad, but after your tragedy. This is a sort of where you, what sort of odd position you were in when uh, you got picked up for the mission. And there are examples for those on 42. All right. Does everybody else have those? I guess I was the one holding us up on those three. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have history, tragedy, and opening all set. Okay, so the next step is uh, to pick your drive. This is what you hope to change in the world. It might be as personal as uh, being able to retire in safety and comfort. It might be as grand as trying to develop a weapon that could end the war. And so this is a way that Beam Saber puts narrative control in the player's hands. Uh, because you have uh, a progress bar that you fill as you pursue your drive. And once you have filled up one of those progress bars, because uh, there's two of the, each pilot has two of these drive clocks. And once you've filled up one of them, you can spend it for big mechanical benefits, such as guaranteeing a six on a result even after a roll, or um, completely ignoring any harm or damage from a consequence. Uh, but if you save it more, then you can have direct narrative influence. With two clocks, uh, you can change the circumstances of a single character, whether that's yourself, an NPC, or one of the fel your fellow PCs. If you get three clocks, you can change the circumstances of an NPC squad, and with four clocks, or not necessarily an NPC squad, it can also be the player's squad. And with four clocks, you can change the circumstances of an entire faction. Now note that each pilot only has access to two clocks, so if you want to do one of those three or four changes, then you need to convince one of your squad mates to give up pursue the pursuit of their own drive to... Uh, help you change something bigger oh interesting so how grand should these be is this something that like we may never accomplish or is this something that we could reasonably accomplish in three or four sessions that sort of depends upon how hard you pursue them right you can get from a mission a single tick that's the most you can get but during downtime you can do long-term projects to further pursue your drive so Roughly speaking, you could probably get like two, like as fast, if you're going like pushing as hard as possible for it, you could get two for every mission and downtime cycle. So it's a bit difficult to get more than that outside of like a fairly long term campaign. So I guess, for example, I'm. I'm playing my characters formerly was an artist. Mm -hmm. And so my, my current thought of a drive is that there is like a sculpture garden that has been devastated by the war. And I just want that to be brought back to beauty because I want there to be some sort of beauty in the world. So is reclaiming a sculpture garden, a grand enough drive or is that too basic? No, that's great. That's a wonderful drive. You can, like I said, you can get very personal with these. Okay. And, or go very big. Uh, either one's fine, and a note about those is that regardless of the scale of your drive, the amount of clocks that you spend when you eventually act on it will sort of determine its effects. Like with your sculpture garden, if you spend the two drives to restore it, then I think that represents like affecting only your pilot. Like This becomes a place of you know, peace for your character. Okay. If you spent three uh, drive clocks, then it's something that is pos a positive effect on, like, a wider group, a whole squad. And then if you manage four, then you've rebuilt the sculpture garden to the point that it changes the entire faction's views on, you know, a place of art and beauty. Okay. That, that works for me. Then I'm good. Yeah. 
Uh, anybody have any other questions about drives? Nope. Nope. Okay. So then the next step is to add action points that are chosen by your playbook. Those should be already on your sheet. And then you add two more points to just anywhere. But again, I believe those should already have been spent if you're using the pre-generated characters that I provided. We should have a total of seven, right? Yes. And then you'll get three more in vehicle creation. All right. So forgive my ignorance here. So I, I printed off the Empath playbook. Mm-hmm. I, on the far right, I have Insight, Prowess, and Resolve. Is that where you're saying those points would be spent? Those Insight, Prowess, and Resolve are sort of like baskets that the actions are put into, and they're, uh, the Insight, Prowess, and Resolve are attributes. The things like the Insight actions are Hunt, Study, Survey, and Engineer. Okay, so I am not seeing that on my sheet, so I may, may not have printed what I was supposed to print then. Okay, so on the top right of that sheet, you can see, like, at the very top right, there's the drive section. Yes. Just below that is insight. Mm -hmm. And then below insight, you can see that there's hunt, study, survey, engineer. Mm, no. Oh, wait. I see it now. Okay. <laughs> All right. I was worried that maybe the PDFs got corrupted or something. <laughs> no, no. I I'm just dumb, so keep that in mind. Okay. So... So, yeah, so I have insight, and below that I have hunt, study, survey, engineer, then I have prowess, and below that I have fitness, prowess, struggle, and rec. So there's a bunch of dots, but there's only three dots total that appear darker on my sheet, so it looks like three have been spent. Yeah, those those will be the three that are inherent to your playbook okay. that are built in. So then, uh, since you don't have any others spent, you're going to want to put one that represents um, your history, Oh, uh, actually, just while I have your attention on that, um, the vehicle actions are in the opposite corner on the bottom left. Yep. You can see the expertise and acuity actions? Yes. Okay. So with um, the, the four points that you're given during character creation, you can split them however you want between your pilot actions and your vehicle actions. Okay. But you'll also be getting three points later on just for vehicles. Uh, if this seems a little confusing, uh, it is. And <laughs> in the, the next update, I've actually clarified the pilot creation rules a bit to be a, a bit easier to parse. Okay. So just to, to recap, so I, how many points am I spending right now on the inside prowess resolve area? Uh, you have four points to put into those. And you can also put them into the vehicle actions if you are so inclined. But All right. And then my last question. So when I'm looking at insight, there's like a dividing line. So I have one dot for each of the like hunt, study, survey. And then across the line, there's three dots. Yes. So what's the difference in spending on the left of the line or the right of the line? So what that means is that in Beam Saber, when a consequence happens to you, you can always choose to resist it. Okay. Which will either lessen the consequence or negate it as appropriate to the tone and the narrative. And so when you resist a consequence, uh, you're going to have to spend stress which it, or quirks, which are resources for your pilot or vehicle respectively. Okay. And uh, how much stress gets spent will be dependent upon how much of a jack of all trades you are. So that line is to show that, like, if you have, for instance, the empath starts with uh, two in study and one in survey, mm -hmm. which means that there are two dots to the left of the line because you have two points in insight. Gotcha. Because it, you get a number of points in your attribute equal to the number of actions in that attribute that you have points in. So if you then put another point into hunt and another point into engineer... So you'd have one in hunt, two in study, one in survey, and one in engineer. You'd have an insight of four. All right. I think that makes sense. Okay. I apologize for slowing everything down. I think I, I think I have it now. Hey, no problem. You're the one who has to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you should have uh, seven action points allotted on your character sheet at this point. Yep. Okay. So next up is to choose an ability from your playbook. I 
made some suggestions, but if anyone wanted to change those, that's absolutely fine. Anyone have any questions about those? No, looks pretty straightforward. So we just pick one of those out of the list? Yes. Hmm. Yep. All right. I thought we had them all. No, you not yet. <laughs> if you play long enough, you get them all. Who's playing the bureaucrat again? Uh, that's going to be me. Okay. Did you just take the one I suggested? or Yeah, beneath notice. Okay. The reason I ask is that the bureaucrat is pretty focused in its abilities on downtime. Okay. And I don't know. I suspect we probably won't get the downtime yeah. today. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so abilities picked. Next up is to write your pilot's name, pronoun, call sign, and look. Is uh, everybody got those done? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the last step um, for pilot creation is something we should do after we introduce our pilots, because it is about uh, forming connections with each other for... Michael, since you're using the printed character sheet, did you also print out the pilot connections sheet as well? I remember seeing it, but I don't see it here. So either I didn't take it off the printer or I didn't print it. Okay, that's all right. You can just write it on the back of your empath uh, character sheet. It's not going to get too complicated. So your pilot connections are essentially you have a four tick clock with each of the other one with each of the other pilots and this represents how well you understand the other people in your squad okay um you start off with one tick for each of the other pilots so write down um so once we introduce each other uh you'll write down the other pilots names and then you will write down uh, one belief you have about that pilot. Now, this doesn't have to be something that is true. Pilots have to act quickly and often go with their gut because they live fast and dangerous lives. It's the sort of thing that could be true and that you might talk about with a confidant. Uh, if you're sort of like, I don't know about so-and-so. They, they seem really reckless, and I'm worried that they're going to get someone killed. That kind of thing. Okay. And so what this does is it helps to characterize your relationship between each other. And if you struggle because of your beliefs, you get XP at the end of the session. Uh, when, As you like spend time together through the cut-loose downtime activity, uh, that clock will fill up. You'll get more uh, beliefs and connections with the other pilots, which uh, affects the assist mission action. Because uh, when you assist people, you spend stress equal to your connection with that pilot. Because the better, the more emotionally invested you are in someone, the harder you push yourself, but the more stressful it is when they are struggling and you have to help them. And then when that clock fills, then uh, you'll both get XP and you can ask a truth relating to one of the beliefs. Okay. I know this is a lot to take in at the moment. It, it becomes clearer, like, through play, of course. Of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, that's the point of a trial or a one-shot is, you know, it's it's not going to make a lot of sense now, but hopefully by the end of the game it makes enough sense or we're interested enough to keep playing that we'll eventually get there. So Yeah. All right, so do we want to do just character introductions now for everybody? Yes, this okay. would be a great time for that. So, Michael, why don't you start us off? All right, so I am playing uh, Miko Rishi. Uh, she, her, call sign Phoenix. Uh, the look is she's Asian American and her hair is colored in red and gold. So it kind of looks like flames. My tragedy is the loss of a sibling. I was the artist of the family. I had a, uh, a twin brother who was the military or fightery type in this world. Uh, readily joined into the, the conflict. Was just thought that they would be doing great. Uh, and tragedy struck and they, they died early. And then I sort of went in to fill that position to replace uh, my brother because of the loss. Uh, before the I got involved, my history is I was an artist, particularly a sculpturist. And uh, my opening is I was serving as a counselor because I do have a background in that as well. Again, I'm an empath. Uh, so I was working to try to deal with 
uh, soldiers who have already had conflicts, losses, that kind of thing. And my drive is there was a sculpture garden where I had a piece and it was destroyed and it's currently under the control of a different faction. And I would like to reclaim it and bring it back to its former glory to bring some sort of beauty back into this tragic world. Great. All right, Richard, how about your pilot? All right. Um, so uh, I'm playing Timmy Johnson. He's a kind of a bland kind of guy, you know, kind of guy you just kind of look at and and go, wait, do I know you from somewhat? Nah, I, I can't. I mean, you just, you just got one of those faces, you know. And uh, he's got the nickname uh, call sign Possum. And, uh, you know, he was a, a stay-at-home dad before, uh, before his friends all started disappearing. And, um, you know, he, he didn't much take to that. So, uh, you know, he, uh, he, he, he got his kid and, uh, you know, took him off to grandma's and, uh, and after that he, he started, uh, fighting in the AWV arenas just to get a little attention, you know, but not, not too much, not, not trying to get too much attention, you know, uh, he's not that kind of guy. Uh, and, uh, what he's trying to do is he's trying to, 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 you know, uh, get a little bit of attention in the right places, you know, uh, get into that military thing and see if he can figure out what's going on with, uh, with all his friends disappearing. He thinks maybe somebody in the military might know and, uh, get a little bit of rank, get to know a couple of people, make some connections and, uh, you know, maybe he'll be able to kind of track them down, figure out what's going on. So is your drive looking for your friends, or is it at this time to get military rank? It's getting military rank so that he can then go find his friends, because he figures that's about the only way it's going to happen. Cool. All right, and Chris, why don't you tell us about your character? All right. Uh, my character's name is Charles Smith. Originally, I'd written down Call Sign Phoenix. <laughs> that's just why i go first yeah that just got erased and he's now a call sign falcon uh he's a good looking guy unfortunately on the right side of his neck and chest there are huge scars that go down that came up because his tragedy is he was horribly burned by a chemical weapons attack a few years ago that happened because he was a gang member and got caught in a crossfire he then moved over to uh, catching deserters as a bounty hunter for the military and then really discovered his true drive is that he wants to prove he's the best pilot everywhere. And the military <laughs> seems to be the best place to do that. Very good. A okay, little bit of an adrenaline junkie, a little bit of uh, arrogant. I uh, think Maverick from Top Gun is what I was going for. Mm -hmm. All right. So everyone take a couple minutes to write down a belief that your pilot might have about uh, the other characters. All right. And we'll share those beliefs once everyone's is written down. All right. I'm good. I got it. All right. Chris, what are your beliefs about the other two? Phoenix, you handle your vehicle badly. <laughs> okay. And Possum, uh, I have to keep an eye on you because you're going to get somebody killed. Well, you know, that that's real funny there because, um, you know, Timmy just kind of feels like like maybe uh, like maybe Falcon is uh, is actually going to be the one to get us all killed. Um, Good chance. And, uh, you know, Phoenix, uh, she seems like kind of the sensitive type and uh you know, she's good at her job, but I, I feel like in the end, you know, all of this might might just kind of break her, you know? It'd be a tragedy to see that. All right. Uh, and then Phoenix believes that uh, Possum is possibly a double agent because no one is that vanilla. So this is clearly <laughs> a cover that you've created. <laughs> and I think that Falcon actually has a heroic heart and would sacrifice himself if it come to it. Great. Those are all great beliefs. So yeah, if you end up struggling during a session, whether it's on a mission or during downtime, because of what, uh, because of those opinions you hold about your fellow pilots, then you get XP about them. And when you complete that clock, you'll get to ask a question, a question that has to be answered truthfully. <laughs> 
So you will find out whether or not Falcon actually would sacrifice himself if it came down to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's do vehicle creation now. Uh, so the first step for that is to choose the look of your vehicle and name its model and manufacturer. All right, and this this is just completely open? It can be anything, or...? Yeah, yeah, I've had some real wild vehicles come out of convention games, let me tell you. Because uh, with Beam Saber prioritizing fiction, if you, you know, the details you describe about uh, your vehicle, they are, like you know, descriptive, but they will also help determine what opportunities are available with your vehicle, right? Like if you make a helicopter as your vehicle, then sure, you can like fly over everything, but you also probably don't have any hands to pick stuff up with using your vehicle. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so I'm sorry, what did you, what are we supposed to create the, the defining characters are the name, the, the model, yeah, the model, the manufacturer, and the look. All right, manufacturer. Um, model and manufacturer are much more just, like, descriptive. Yeah, what are you guys thinking for for yours? Are we thinking just sort of straight-up mechs? That's what I came up with. Okay, I'm, I'm going a little different here. Um, so mine looks like a giant starfish. <laughs> um, but it's like, like uh, at the end of the... I guess tentacles, it, it's got an articulation. So like it shoots beams out, but, it, but in the center, I'm in a bubble that always stays upright. So the whole thing may be spinning around me, but I stay always upright. Okay. So it's just like cartwheeling around. Yeah. Sort of like, yeah, it's, it's doing this, but I'm always, you know, just. Yeah. Gyroscopically I, gyros balanced. Yeah. Gyroscopic. Perfect. Yeah. So does it like fly or is it like, uh, or is it. Is this in space? Like I, in my mind, it was. Yeah, we'll be ground side for this session. Okay. Okay. Then, then it cartwheels around the earth. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, then I think. Um, oh God, what's the most bland? Like, if you have bland, just think a giant power armor suit. Yeah, I, I think that's what it is. Is it's like possum's quote unquote mech is just a a <laughs> an absolute run of the mill like you know. What if a forklift was a mech? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like the the equivalent of like a you know a, a UPS truck, you know, mm -hmm, in mech mm -hmm. form. So yeah, it's like a power loader. It's like a DBG uh, one hundred power loader. Great. All right. Uh, mine is a flashy black with red highlights uh, <laughs> mech. Fairly tall, uh, runs on two legs. Uh, the only big difference that most people notice is this mech doesn't actually have a head. It just has two arms that kind of come out of the top. Uh, one, the right arm uh, has a normal hand, and the left arm looks like it ends in some type of gun. And it's bright, shiny, uh, metallic alloy. It's very flashy. Nice. Okay, so with look, model, and manufacturer covered, now we pick your vehicle's load which is sort of like a rough estimate of its size and weight and uh, a firm estimate of its versatility, as this will determine how much gear it can carry. Light vehicles will be faster and, generally speaking, smaller and less conspicuous, more likely to be able to blend in with civilian vehicles or hide amongst buildings and uh, other terrain features. But a heavy vehicle will be much bigger, much scarier, probably slower, and definitely able to carry more stuff. But you also don't have to decide exactly what gear you have at this time. So even though we know that one of Falcon's arm, uh, vehicle's arms ends in what is probably a gun, uh, Chris doesn't have to detail that until it actually comes up in play. And so he could change his mind and be like, a blade comes out and it's actually got a sword coming out of the arm, for instance. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, so uh, what load is everybody going with? Oh, I mean, possum, Possum's mech is, you know, it's it's real run-of-the-mill. It's it's just a light little thing, you know, for for moving crates around and, and whatnot. It's not, you know, a big giant thing that people are going to notice, you know. It's, it's, you see them all around, all, all over the place. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Miko, I think uh, light makes sense. This is a very agile, quick-moving, adaptable mech. Not, not heavy on firepower, but on maneuverability. So I think light. Yeah. Well, Falcon <laughs> here can't be uh, normal, so he went with heavy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Falcon's the big hitter, right? Uh, he wants everybody to see him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next up is to assign three points to your vehicle actions. Again, your vehicle actions cannot exceed two points in them at character creation. Uh, if you have any questions about what these vehicle actions are, nope. don't hesitate to ask. Okay, I will ask. What on this? It says battle, destroy, bombard. What are the differences in those three? So uh, when you battle, you engage in vehicular close quarters combat. You might lash out with your scoop arm. You might fire your Gatling gun in a dogfight. Um, you could perform a pit maneuver, but maneuver might be better. For destroy, when you destroy, you employ overwhelming destruction through your vehicle. You might carpet bomb a military base. You might smash a building with a wrecking ball. You could attack using a bus as a weapon, but battle might be better. And for bombard, when you bombard, you use vehicular weapons designed to attack targets beyond human sight. You might designate long-range missile targets. You might shoot a railgun through a skyscraper at an enemy. You could use saturation bombardment, but destroy might be better. Sort of the difference between battle and bombard is uh, range, and then the difference between destroy and the other two is uh, grace. There's not a whole lot of uh, precision to destroy. It's just using raw force. That makes sense. And those would add to the pilot actions then? No, you'd be rolling those on their own. Okay. Part of the reason that I am rewriting the application of actions in the next update is because the way it's set up now, it makes it seem like vehicle actions are tied to the vehicle itself, when actually they are dependent upon the pilot. If your pilot gets into a different vehicle, they're able to eke out different capabilities from different machines, right? Because they're used to, like redlining vehicles so they have the feel for how to get more speed out of even a slow clunker than anyone else could okay now under load i already have uh four the first four boxes there's text there already uh inspiring appearance fine broadcast system fine social data retrieval program and psionic amplifier yes uh so those, um, you can see the boxes, though, are unticked. Mm -hmm. Those are things that are specific to your playbook. Okay. There's other items, such as armor and machine guns and melee weapons, that are uh, standard vehicle gear. Um, did you, I don't know if you printed out the reference sheet? Um, I got the rules reference. Okay. There, There's a vehicle gear reference sheet as well. Okay. Um, but if you like, are like, Hey, can I have X on my vehicle? Uh, I can look that up for you okay. if you don't have it in front of you. Cause I think most things should be able to be covered either in the standard vehicle gear, or it'll be something that's restricted to a specific playbook. So those aren't already there. Those are just things that only I could choose when the time comes. Exactly. And if it's in italics, then it's a piece of gear that costs no load at all. Okay. Don't. Yeah. Think... I... I don't think the empath has any zero load specialty stuff. Okay. I think I'm good then. Okay. Uh, so after um, everyone has assigned their three ac vehicle action points, uh, now we create your quirks for your vehicle. Uh, these are the things that make your vehicle unique. The first, so through play, you're able to get up to eight quirks but we start with four because those are the things that are like known about the particular model that you have and quirks are made up of a pair of descriptors one positive and one negative and when you spend a quirk during a mission 
It represents you pushing your vehicle beyond its uh, like normal capacities by taking advantage of the sort of the quirks of its make and model, right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you have like uh, roaring fast as a quirk, then you could spend that quirk to represent uh, to push your vehicle to go especially fast or be especially loud, right? And when you push, that gives you an extra die or improved effect to your actions. Now, the reason that your vehicle also has your quirks have a downside, a negative descriptor, is because if uh, something bad happens to you because of one of your quirks, then you get XP at the end of the session. (laughs) So if you're like, my vehicle has roaring fasts, so I don't think I'm able to, like, drive stealthily even though i've got like a city block between me and my foe they're still going to hear me coming so i can't exactly sneak up on them so no ambush is here so i'll take that xp at the end of the session thank you very much okay think of it as the kind of thing that uh if this were like the movie version of the game this would be the thing that the camera like focuses in on you know like seeing the engine in your vehicle rumbling and then, like, making an absurd amount of noise as you uh, employ Roaring Fast. All right, so we're, we're doing four of these? Yeah, you get four of them. Uh, there's a list of examples on page 113, and I can read those out if anyone needs that. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to. I'm, mine, uh, my, the first one I picked was, or I chose was Delicately Nimble. Yeah, that's great. That so I kind of want them all to be sort of in that range. Again, I'm I'm fast but I'm not sturdy. So any others that would kind of fit that, like I want to be able to do fine manipulation, but that also might mean that I'm. Well, here, here's one that sounds like a, a starfish to me, flexible structure. Okay. Yeah. Another one's light footed. This might play into the sort of like uh, regeneration traits that a starfish has redundant systems. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I think that has you at That's four. four. Yeah, yeah. There you right. go. Easy. Thank you, sir. No problem. I've got mine. Great. Uh, I've got uh, blinding boosters. Uh, Some common parts. It's built for combat, and it has an ominous appearance. Great. All right for the uh, for the power loader here, we got uh, we got common parts. I mean, it's it's (laughs) it's common as dirt, right? Uh, We got a slow and, and relatively heavy. Uh, I mean, it's not not meant to be fast, you know. We're just moving crates around, things like that. Uh, let's do. Uh, I mean, it, it's not necessarily a military workhorse, but it is a, you know, sort of an everyday workhorse. Maybe might be the way to describe it. It's a. It's just a, you know, it, it, it's boring, really, and <laughs> and that's that's kind of the point. A work workhorse. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it it's just it is just a workhorse, uh, and. Uh, Let's say uh, redundant systems, right? I mean, you know, you, you got one of these things and, and uh, it breaks down. You know, you got the secondary system there. A lot of times they run these things where, you know, only half of it's working, but it's still going. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. I've been listening to, uh, well, there's your problem, a podcast mm-hmm. about engineering disasters. And redundancy, that's something that they lean on as being very important to avoiding those things. Well, and you got to do the, that uh, that that regular maintenance, you know, because uh, you, you get used to the idea that it's redundant, and you you find out that you haven't been taking care of it, and then you get to the third redundant system. By the time that fails, you know you haven't been taking care of the first one, the second one, and all of a sudden, boom, you're you're, you're sitting there, and your shift supervisor's yelling at you, and you're, you're going to have a bad time, you know. <laughs> okay, so everybody's got their quirks, which is the last step for your vehicle's creation. So with that done. We would go on to squad creation. We're going to do the extremely streamlined version of that since uh, this is just going to be a one shot. Uh, but I'll just describe quickly what each of the steps are. So the first one would be you choose your patron faction, which is who you work for, whether it's an autocracy, a corporatocracy, a democracy, an oligarchy or a theocracy, or you could decide to go independent, which is uh, commonly referred to as hard mode because you have less material and social support since you're not part of a hierarchy. Hmm. 
which one has the most flash? <laughs> um, well, we'll actually just skip over that because that mostly affects long-term play. Okay. Since uh, that's, I mean, uh, if y'all feel strongly about that, that's yeah. something we can do. But then you'd set your relationship with each faction to zero because they don't know or care who you are until you've uh, done missions for or against them. Uh, then we would create a direct superior of the squad. This is uh, sort of like the the player's mouthpiece in the game for them to assign missions. And when I say players, I don't mean specifically the GM. Obviously, the GM can use them, but this is a, a way for players' decisions about what missions they want to pursue to be voiced into the world of the fiction. Cool. It, it's the the players get to be their own bosley or whatever it is yeah exactly nice. if you want to play it like that it also determines uh part of your relationship with the other npc squads because there will be one npc squad that has a positive relationship with you direct <laughs> superior and one that has a negative relationship with them and that bleeds on to y'all mm -hmm. uh, then you choose your patron faction's goal uh this is like their strategic aims for uh, the campaign. And if you complete missions that... Uh, th this is sort of actually like your patron faction's drive, actually, is a good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. And if they complete those goal clocks, then you get a unique benefit that isn't available through any other means. Uh, things like if you complete hearts and minds, uh, then getting cohorts, NPC uh, minions, becomes a lot cheaper, for instance. Then you choose the squad playbook. There's eight different squad playbooks to pick from. Uh, we're just going to go with the mechanized cavalry to speed <laughs> things along. All right. Uh, then you choose an initial reputation and forward operating base. Uh, this is what the squad is known for, their reputation. And if you play into it, then you get XP for the squad at the end of the session. Because the squad itself has its own XP track. So, what are y'all known for? Hmm. Wow. Uh, Just a single word. <laughs> Catastrophe. <laughs> I, I was going to say uh, something along the lines of uh, trying or struggling. Because we have three very, not unique personalities, but ones that you wouldn't normally mesh together in a mm -hmm. squad. Yeah. Or what about like, uh, what about like the leftovers, right? Like... We're sort of the, the, the odd ones out that they're like, uh Where the three people always picked last for dodgeball. And exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> the misfits. Yeah. Misfits. Yeah. Misfits. That's great. So maybe we take the, the missions that are not like the, the ones you would expect. Like ours are always sort of weird, eclectic sort of missions. Mm. Okay, then we pick the forward operating base for the squad. This is like your home away from home, so to speak. Um, it's it's mostly just color. I think it's important to choose for even uh, one shot like this because it sort of gives a flavor to uh, who the group is by looking at what their home is like, you know? Can you give me like an example? Uh, sure. You might have be located in an abandoned car dealership. I was thinking an abandoned, uh, like, Zeppelin museum. <laughs> so it's just, like, giant structure that's kind of decaying a little bit, but it's it's huge. So we can actually fit Falcon's mech in there. But it's just this, you know, it, it's all this, like, really old aeronautical... Uh, memorabilia and stuff and we've just sort of like pushed it all aside and there's you know old yeah, yeah like an old an old zeppelin museum yeah i'm fine with that those old crappy gantries and you know things lying around that we can use but it's just it's very decrepit that's great because your initial uh fob is supposed to be like um small and underwhelming essentially mm-hmm Ours is large and underwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the next step is to choose a squad ability. There's 
a list of uh, seven of them to pick from, not counting going with veteran and taking abilities from other playbooks. My general suggestion for one-shots is to either take Fast and Furious, which is going to give you each an additional action point, specifically into Maneuver, Manipulate, or Battle, or to take Reavers, which makes it so that when you spend a quirk to push yourself in speed or aggression, if you don't succeed on the roll, you get the quirk back. Hmm. I think Fast and Furious sounds about right. I think so, too. Works for me. Okay. And it was, what was it? It was maneuver or... Manipulate or battle. And you can get up to a maximum of three points with Fast and Furious. And that goes under the pilot actions on the sheet, then? Uh, those will be vehicle actions. Vehicle. So does our squad have a name? The Misfits? Yeah. Hmm. So there's there the our rival squad is is called uh Gem and the Holograms. And <laughs> uh they have they have holographic mechs that are all fancy and and cool and they often show up to swoop our our things and and it's very it's very sad. <laughs> so since y'all uh just picked the name mm-hmm. real quick, uh the last thing to do since you skipped the actual last step, or went right to the actual last step, is to pick two upgrades for the squad. Mm -hmm. So your base starts off with a testing facility, which frankly won't come into play during a one-shot, because that's about um, getting more quirks for your vehicle. Mm -hmm. Um, And you also start off with a cohort, a a, a fire team of rovers, which are basically like... NPCs who are vehicle experts, truck drivers, pilots, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and they ha- come up with, come with their own like minor vehicles. So if you want to call in like uh, a fighter squadron to help you out in a mission, that can be what your rovers are if you're so inclined or something stranger as the case may be with your misfits. Okay. So, so a bunch of, uh, so you know those people that that go and they fly World War II fighters, you know, from like local tiny airports, and that's their thing. And they go around, and they do tours, and you know, take kids up and try and get them interested. What if it was that, but with zeppelins? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could absolutely be your rover squad. Uh, well, we will see. We will see. Let's not speak that into being yet. <laughs> You do, however, also get two upgrades that you can just pick from. Generally speaking, I recommend taking one of the quality upgrades, um, such as uh, improved documents, improved gear, improved programs, improved supplies, improved tools, improved pilot weapons, or improved vehicle weapons. Uh, I'd say maybe documents to get us into place, and then vehicle weapons sound like probably they kind of fit our group that's we've we've got the big flashy you know uh blow them all up and then we've got the getting into places because because we we don't get that middle of the ground stuff we get that weird stuff does that sound good to everyone yeah works for me yep great okay so that is the squad done because um, I wasn't sure what kind of mission y'all want to do. I have my three of my convention missions ready, so I'll give you a brief description of them, and y'all let me know which one you want to do. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, so the first one, so Journey City's Broken Bank is full of rampant apps and proxies. A fire team of March of Saints AVs with... Infantry support, led by St. Gertrude, the saint of curators, got wiped out there in a battle with Lady Elreth. It's unclear why the fire team was in the area when they got unlucky and the goddess of war and death found them. Find out what they were doing there. Intel says that the raccoons are also seeking the battle site for salvage. So that's essentially go in and get intel about a battle that's already happened. And there's an, uh, an enemy squad that is probably in the area looking to do similar all right okay the second option there's a power plant near journey city that has been operated by a revolving cast of people as different squads capture protect and defend it week by week 
Right now, it's run by the Squatties, who recently wrested control of the facility from the rights of the Ascent, who have been building infrastructure in the area. This important piece of infrastructure would be better off in the hands of a large, stable faction like yours that can ensure reliable service to nearby cities. Make it so. So that's about capturing a power plant from another squad. And the last one is... The Hatchetmen are transporting a secretive package over land routes. Capture it. Don't let it fall into enemy hands. There's a light escort because the faction is relying on secrecy to protect the package rather than muscle. The package is in a roundish AP, uh, six-wheeled APC. So that is uh, stealing a package of unknown nature from a convoy. Oh, that, that sounds like a fun one. I would say one or three would be my choices, just based on our group makeup. Yeah. Those both make the most sense, but I'm fine with either. We can go with three then. Yeah. Great. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.